Well, welcome everybody to Christmas at Cedar Creek Church. In case you can't tell, it is beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go, including at all of our campuses this morning. And I'm so glad that you are kicking off the holiday season with us. And just, by the way, public service announcement for you, Christmas is just 24 shopping days away, right? That's kind of crazy, isn't it? And I can see from your faces and reactions that that creates some mixed emotions, right? Because some of you are excited. You can't wait for Christmas to be here. Some of you are freaking out a little bit because you're thinking about all that you've got to get done and how little time you have to get to do it. Some of us, if we're completely honest, would have to admit that we're kind of dreading the holidays. You know, because emotions that we're able to keep at bay all throughout the rest of the year have a way of just bubbling to the surface this time of year and seeing all the pretty happy, perfect families with their pretty happy, perfect Christmases sort of feels like it's shining a spotlight on maybe something that's missing or broken in our lives, and and the holidays can be tough. But here's what I would say. Whatever you are feeling going into the holiday season, I'm really hoping that you will allow us to be a part of it with you. And here's why. Because over the next four weeks, we're going to focus on an aspect of Christmas that every one of us can experience and celebrate no matter what we're going through. I'm talking about joy. Joy is deeply ingrained to the fabric of the Christmas holidays. We, we hear it in the Christmas songs. We read it on our Christmas cards. We talk about joy to the world. In fact, the Bible says that the birth of Jesus, what we celebrate at Christmas, is all about joy. In fact, look at what the angels say to the shepherds. And This is the first public announcement of Jesus' birth, Luke 2.10. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause what? What does it say? Great joy. Great joy for who? What does that say? All the people. Christmas means joy for all of us. So my question is, why is it so hard to find joy this time of year? Why does joy seem just kind of like something we say, but not something we experience truly during the holidays? I think part of the reason is some of us confuse joy with happiness. And they're very different things. Joy and happiness are two totally different things. Happiness is a surface emotion based on my circumstances. It's feeling good because good things are happening to me or around me. That's happiness. Joy is a much deeper emotion. Joy is a much deeper, more stable emotion that does not change with the circumstances around me. 
Because joy is not based on good things happening. Joy is based on this deep, settled confidence that comes from knowing that God is in control of the details of my life. And that he loves me and he has a plan and purpose in anything and everything in my life. And so for us to really understand and really experience joy this Christmas, we're going to have to dig a little deeper into what the birth of Jesus really means to us. And so for the next month, we're going to unbox the joy of Christmas. What does that mean, to unbox the joy of Christmas? It means that we're going to think outside of the box with what the birth of Jesus means to us. We're going to look at things about Jesus' birth that we usually don't think about and focus on this time of year. Things about Jesus' birth that ultimately shape who we are as individual Christ followers and also shape who we are and what we do as a church family. And so today, we're going to unbox an aspect of Christmas that probably most of us have never thought about. Wonder what's in here. What kind of Christmas gift could be in this giant box? Well, this will probably surprise you. Christmas means that you're invited. The birth of Jesus means whoever you are, you're invited to be a part of God's family. Probably one of the worst feelings in the world is to be left out, right? To feel uninvited. You ever had that happen to you? You, you ever been stro scrolling through your Instagram or Facebook and all of a sudden it dawns on you that all your friends are together somewhere else and you're not with them? And you're like, well, what's wrong with me? Why wasn't I invited? Maybe some of you feel that way about God's family. You feel unwanted, unworthy, left out. Maybe it's because somebody who, who purported that they represented Jesus. Maybe you tried a church and they told you, you know, you weren't dressed the right way. Or you didn't look a certain way. Or, or you didn't know how you were supposed to behave. Or, or your lifestyle or, or your way of living or your relationships meant that you were excluded. You were left out. Well, I'm sorry somebody else told you that. But I'm telling you, Jesus through his birth says you are invited to his family. Don't take my word for it. I want you to look at what Jesus says about his own birth. Luke 5.32. Jesus says, I didn't come to invite good people to turn to God. I came to invite sinners. And here's the thing. We're all sinners. You may think that you're more of a sinner than the people sitting around you. You may think you're less of a sinner than the people sitting around you, but the truth is we are all sinners, and because of that, we are all invited to God's family because of Jesus' birth. And Jesus not only says that, he lives that out. I'm going to have to really start talking loud with this rain, aren't I? <laughs> Liquid snow. 
I told you it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Look, Jesus didn't just say this, that he came to invite sinners. He lived it out in the way he treated and interacted with the people around him. And this morning, we're going to look at an example of this from Jesus' life. His invitation to someone who would have felt left out. We find this encounter in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 7. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can turn. And I would encourage you sometime this week to read through this entire story. But as we unpack it this morning, we're going to see three truths about Jesus' invitation to you. So here we go. Number one, Jesus invites those that others reject. Jesus invites those that others reject. Fast forward about 30 plus years from the manger in Bethlehem. Jesus is now a grown man traveling the streets of Palestine, going to towns and villages, teaching, preaching, healing, but he is also claiming to be the Son of God. He is claiming to be God in the flesh. And so people are trying to figure out, is he really who he says he is, or is he delusional? Is he some sort of religious fanatic? But what pretty much everybody would agree on is that if Jesus was from God, he would be in favor of the Pharisees, because they were the most outwardly godly, most pious people in that generation. They wore long, beautiful, flowing robes. They had tassels. They prayed these wonderful, eloquent public prayers. They had all these rituals to keep themselves clean and free from sin. They kept a great distance between themselves and the sinful people. They didn't want to get contaminated. They wanted to be set apart. They wanted to be clean for God. And so surely if Jesus is from God, these would be his people. One day, a Pharisee by the name of Simon invited Jesus to a party at Simon's house. Now, first century Pharisee parties were a lot different than our parties today. They didn't invite, you know, everybody, large groups of people to hang out at the house and, you know, roast hot dogs and listen to Jewish rap music or whatever. No, it was a very small, intimate gathering of the who's who in town. The best, the brightest, the sharpest minds, you know, the most influential, the celebrities of the day. That's why Jesus got invited to Simon's house. And into this small little intimate gathering, they would have this in what is known as the outer room of their house. The outer room was just that. It was on the outer edge of the house. It was surrounded by either a porch or a patio or a courtyard. And it either had multiple doors or multiple openings like windows with shutters so that they could open it up because the people, the common people in town would come to this porch area. They would sit outside the house to listen to what was going on in this Pharisee party. They would want to hear them talk about culture and theology. And you say, why would people want to sit outside and listen in on a party they weren't invited to? We have to realize there's no internet. 
There's no Netflix. You know, they couldn't stay home and binge Housewives of Jerusalem or anything like that. There's no video games. There's no news. And so this would be their way of kind of being entertained, but also keep up with what's going on in the world. They would be a learning experience. So it's in this environment. You know, the handful, the best and the brightest are inside. The common people are on the outside listening in. And in the middle of that, someone walks into this party who was definitely not invited. Look at verse 37. It says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there. That phrase, lived a sinful life, is code for the town prostitute. She is the town prostitute. Everybody knows it. Now imagine the shock these Pharisees were in when this woman didn't just come to the outer courts. She walked right into the room. Can you imagine how uninvited she would have felt? The stares, the whispers behind her back. And yet Jesus not only welcomes her into this room, He defends her. He protects her. He even praises her. Why? Because Jesus don't care about sin? No. Jesus could see her heart. He could see behind the behavior to the deep pain that caused that behavior. Imagine with me for just a moment. How did this woman end up here? How did she end up a prostitute? It was not a lucrative career. There was no fairy tale, Julia Roberts, pretty woman story. Being a prostitute in the first century was a horrible, painful, shameful life. She would have been rejected. Nobody would have had anything to do with her. I guarantee you she did not grow up wanting to be a prostitute. Right when she was hanging out with her girlfriends and they're 10 or 11 years old and you know they're talking about what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, I want to sell Mary Kay or you know, I want to be a real estate agent or a doctor or you know, I want to be a YouTube star. She didn't go, I want to be a prostitute. You know, I want to have my own pimp. How wonderful would that be? No. So how did she get here? I don't know. The the text doesn't say, but but I can imagine I can put two and two together. Maybe she had a dad who was distant and and uncaring and, and he didn't protect her well and she ended up with the wrong crowd. Or maybe worse, it wasn't that her dad was distant. Maybe her dad was abusive. Maybe he had a twisted mind and he he took advantage of her sexually and that created some deep wounds and confusion in her life. And she started looking for love in the wrong places, in the wrong ways. Or maybe she had a boyfriend who was older and he kept pressuring her, if you love me, you will. And she didn't want to. And he said, but I'm going to leave you if you don't. And one night she, she gave in and she ended up pregnant and he took off. And now she's alone with a little baby. And in that day, you couldn't just give your baby up for adoption. You were shunned. You were unemployable. And maybe this was the only way she knew to take care of 
her child. I don't know what led her to this lifestyle. But what I do know is that she would have felt trapped. She would have felt helpless and hopeless in her life. And she would have felt a million miles away from God. Maybe some of you feel that way right now because you never planned to be where you are now. You, you never could have imagined being divorced. You could never imagine having to file bankruptcy. You never started out wanting to be an addict. You didn't want to have a, a mental illness. You, you're not where you wanted to be, and yet there you are. And if that's you, here's what I'm telling you. The joy of Christmas is you're invited. You're invited in to God's family. You are welcome. There's joy in that. So what I'm saying is over this next month, when you hear the Christmas songs, when you see those pretty happy people and their perfect little families and lives on Facebook and you feel pain and you feel lonely and you feel isolated, remember Jesus' birth means you're invited because he invites those that others reject. Number two, the second thing that Jesus invites you to is to leave the past behind. Leave the past behind. It is remarkable that this woman would have entered this room. It's even more remarkable what she does when she gets there. Notice again verse 37 and 38. It says, so she came there. She comes into the room with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, behind Jesus, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair. And she kissed them. She kissed his feet. And she poured perfume on them. It's hard to convey the significance in our culture today to this moment and these actions. Because not only was she expressing worship and love, but she was expressing repentance and letting go of her past. How do I know that? Because of what she does with the perfume. See, unlike today, perfume was very uncommon in the first century because it was unbelievably expensive. Ordinary women... Middle class and lower class women never had perfume. In fact, this one jar of perfume would have been equal to a year's worth of wages. And so for her to have this tells me, one, that this was her security. This was her nest egg. Maybe this is what she had been saving up to get out of this lifestyle one day. But this perfume also represented her presence. Because it was a marketing tool for her business. Since ordinary women didn't wear perfume, by wearing perfume, she was advertising. She was available. She's one of those. This would have been essential for her present and her future. And yet she breaks the jar and pours it all out. Because she's letting go of her past and trusting Jesus with her present and her future. 
I see one of the things that gets overlooked in this story is the reality that Jesus didn't change her circumstances. She didn't walk out of that Pharisee party having Jesus wave a magic wand and to you know, free her from whatever issues and circumstances that drove her into this lifestyle. He didn't change her circumstances and yet she had joy because she was invited to let go of her past, to choose to trust Jesus. And because she did that, look at what Jesus says, verse 47 and 50. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. How can she go in peace? She still probably got a family to feed. She's still shunned. Nothing has changed in her life. How can she go in peace? Because peace ain't based on what's happening around me. Peace is that joy that comes deep within me when I know God is in control of the details of my life. So here's what I'm asking you. Going into this Christmas season, what do you need to break and pour out at the feet of Jesus? Is it some sin from your past? Something you've done or somebody did to you that just keeps hanging on that keeps messing up your present and stealing hope from your future? Is there some habit, some hurt, some hang-up, some lifestyle? Is there some source of security you keep running back to trying to find peace and it gives it for a moment but it never lasts? Whatever it is, what I'm saying is if to unbox the joy of Christmas, you got to break it and pour it out because the biggest barrier to getting past your past is not God's unwillingness to forgive you it's your unwillingness to let it go and to trust him with your present and your future but you can have joy this Christmas because you're invited to leave the past behind and then number three the third thing that Jesus invites you to is this you are invited to be an inviter. You can experience joy this Christmas by being an inviter to know the joy of inviting others to experience Jesus. Think about this. What would have brought this woman to this party? What would have given her the strength and courage to push past those barriers? To walk through that crowd of people on the porch who would whisper, there she is, she's one of those. Kids don't go near her. To walk in that door and in that room of the very people who would have made a show of crossing to the other side of the street anytime they were near her. Why in the world would she go in this room? Why would she think she could go? I don't know. The, the text doesn't say. But there had to be something about Jesus that was inviting to her. There had to be something about Jesus that led her to believe this would be okay. Because look at what she does. Look again at verse 38. It says, then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. 
And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Listen, she broke about a hundred cultural taboos in those actions. Touching a man that wasn't your husband, letting your hair down in public, no Jewish woman would ever do that other than in the privacy of her own room, her own home with her husband. This is an intimate moment. What she does is intimacy with Jesus. Why would she think that's okay? Obviously, it's not pride. She didn't do it because she thought that she was all that in a bag of chips and deserved to be there with Jesus. She felt just the opposite. So what would make her approach Jesus? Again, I don't know. The text doesn't say. But I'm guessing she must have heard about him from someone. She must have heard someone say that he treats sinners differently. Maybe she saw him do a miracle. Maybe she just sensed the divinity in that. I don't know, but I can tell you what I believe. I believe she heard Jesus speak in her town. Luke's gospel doesn't tell us that, but we know Jesus almost always spoke publicly, gave a message on in in any town he went into. All Luke tells us is that this event takes place on the same day that John the Baptist's disciples came to question Jesus. But if you look at Matthew's gospel, the parallel gospel, the day that John the Baptist's disciples came to question Jesus, Jesus preached a message in the town he was in. And you know what that message was? You're invited. You're invited. Look, here are his words from Matthew chapter 11. This is the message she would have heard. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Can you imagine this woman with her burdens standing at the back of the crowd because she wouldn't dare become that close but overhearing Jesus talking about having rest? Now it makes sense. Now you understand this urgent desire to get to Jesus. Now you understand this willing to push past the barriers, the cultural barriers, the shame, what everybody else would have said, to get to Jesus because Jesus said, come to me, not you who are perfect and have it all together. Come to me, those of you who are overwhelmed, who are hurting, who are broken, who are desperate for hope. Come and find not condemnation, not more good and bad rules to follow. Come and find rest. You have an opportunity to be an inviter. How inviting are you? Do your words, does your action, do your attitudes to the way you talk about people when they pass by you? Does that invite people to meet Jesus? Or does it push them away? Listen, there's something in this story that's unbelievably important. Please don't miss this. 
Here it is. Pointing out her sins did not lead her out of a life of sin. Judging her lifestyle did not change her lifestyle. Shaming her for what she did did not free her from the bondage of sin. What did? An invitation to know God's love, to experience God's forgiveness, and to rest in God's grace. I'm telling you, all around you are people just like this woman. People who feel uninvited, who feel left out. Christmas is a time to be an inviter. Jesus told a parable one time about a wealthy man who prepared a beautiful, wonderful banquet and invited all his friends, all the people that knew him and knew about him. He sent his servants out, and you know what? The people who knew the master were just too busy. Couldn't make it to the big party. Got to go to the game. Got the big game this weekend. Can't be at the master's party. Got to get the kids in this. Got to go that. Only day of the week I get to sleep in. The people who knew the master wouldn't come to the party. You know what the master told the servants? Go back out there and compel them to come. What does it mean to compel it doesn't mean to beat them over the head because they're not showing up. It means help them see that they need it. Help them understand what a difference it makes in life. Help them understand how wonderful it is to be in the family of God. But then the master says, if they still won't come, you go out to the alleys and the ditches and you bring in the poor, the blind, and the lame. You know why that's significant? Because in that culture, people who were poor or blind or lame must have done something wrong to deserve that. It must be because they're sinful. And Jesus says, bring them in. Bring them in. Listen, at every one of our campuses, we have empty seats available at every service we have. And I would love to fill these campuses up with people who know God and have just drifted, but if they won't be compelled to come, I want us to fill it up with the poor, the blind, the lame, the prostitutes, the people that everybody else rejects. Jesus says, invite them to my house and my family because they know the desperate need. There's joy in being an inviter. When you came in, this morning, you, you received a little stack of invite Christmas cards. We do this every year. We give these to you. Why? Because people are more open to an invitation at Christmas than any other time of the year. But this year, I want to ask you to do something different. Instead of just handing them out like business cards and saying, hey, we got a Christmas Eve service at our church. Love to see you. What I want to ask you to do is to take these cards and literally begin praying over them and say, God, open my eyes to those who feel uninvited. Show me who in my world is hurting and desperate and broken. And then when God reveals that to you, don't just leave it on the table for your waitress or hand it to the cashier on your way out. Take some time. 
hear a little bit of their story and let them know that they are invited to God's family. That he invites those that others reject. Can you imagine what God would do if we, the Cedar Creek Church family, took this seriously? If we saw beyond just the busy chaos of the next four weeks, saw beyond just a holiday and what we want and what we desire to get out of Christmas and would say, God, use me to help others. Can you imagine what God could do? With, can you imagine the joy? I can tell you firsthand, there's unbelievable joy in being a part of being used by God to help someone far from God find their way back to God. Look, I don't know what you're feeling heading into the holidays. I'm wrestling with all my own emotions in this holiday season, but I do know you can experience and celebrate joy because you are invited. You can be free from your past and you can be used by God as an inviter. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, may what we see in Jesus in this encounter be what we show to those who need you the most. Father, would you open our eyes to those around us, those that we often pass and whisper about or cast shame on. Father, would you help us maybe see with your eyes this Christmas? Maybe you're here in one of our services at one of our campuses this morning and you know what this woman felt like because you feel that way. You feel unwelcome, uninvited. You feel shame and guilt. But if that's you this morning, Jesus would say to you, come on home. You are home here. You are welcomed here. You are loved here. You are forgiven here. And you will find true freedom from your brokenness. If that's you this morning, would you reach out to somebody maybe a prayer encourager on your campus, maybe the campus pastor, would you talk with somebody today about coming home this Christmas? Or, or maybe you're here today and, and you kind of admit that you're kind of like the friends of the master who threw the party. You've allowed the busyness of life to get in the way of being on mission for your king. Whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, dig down, take the lid off the box and find the joy of Jesus' invitation to you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.